welcome to Article 23, the podcast all about making work work. And we're one month down in 2024. February is already here. Uh, so we want to start with acknowledging, as we always do, the land that we're recording on today. We're coming to you from Gadigal land, part of the Eora Nation. And we acknowledge and pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging and our gratitude for their care of this land for thousands of years. Now down to the podcast, I'm Rhonda Brighton Hall and alongside me is, as always, James Hancock. Welcome. Hey, hey Rhonda, how are you? Nice to be here. It's nice to have you here. We've had a great start to the year. We have. Hit the ground running, to say the least. <laughs> and running pretty fast. So hopefully that great year has started for many people and looking forward to hearing other people's stories as well. Uh, as per the podcast, we, in 2023, we went to a format of three big topics, two that are really topical, conversational at the yep. moment, yep. and one good news story at the end. And we're going to stick with that. And so the three big topics we've got today, two big and one good news, is first of all, can business learn from sport? And we get asked about that a lot. Good, yeah. Probably because we love sport. Yeah, (laughs) and our data says that too, right? I was thinking about that one when we said the topic, you know, if we look at our um, culture dashboard, one of the key questions in the diversity identity side is interest, participation in sport, etc. And also arts, music, culture. But sport, like everyone has that Australians love sport thing. Yeah. We feel that, yeah. but our data shows that too. It's all, it's often seventy five to eighty percent minimum. Yeah. In an organisation, isn't it? Saying I love I love sport. It's actually a really good point. It is a yeah. good point as a country. So it's right there. Yeah. Not everybody loves it, but exactly. yeah, sport is a great love shared by many of us. So, what can business learn from sport? Yeah. Second topic: taking a look at people and culture or HR at the moment. Can the function be everything it needs to be to all people? Is that possible? Huge topic. It is. That's a whole like. <laughs> Five hour long podcast in itself, but we won't do that today. We'll yep. pull that out and have that chat. <laughs> yeah, sounds fun. Let's just record it as well. <laughs> and then I, the good news is that James, you've won a big award, and look forward to sharing that with everybody. So the first one is can business learn from sport? We do get asked about it all the time. Yeah, we yeah. are both sports nuts. We'll watch anything. So, um, what can sport teach business? And we've picked out five big lessons that come yeah. straight from sport into the boardroom, into the corporations, organisations that we work with. And this is then. So lesson one is you can concentrate on the big famous players in the corporate case, that's CEOs, etc. But you must also focus on the feeder groups into those jobs, the top of the tree mm. and your grassroots mm. concurrently all the time. And when you don't, you'll fail if you choose one or the other. And if you do both, you've got a chance of sustainable success. Mm. So the lessons where sports got that wrong mm-hmm. at the moment we're looking at is tennis. Yeah. Have, I want to talk about tennis when you're sitting in the room. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, and I don't, I'm, I'm still learning every day, right? Like, but I think what's interesting is people, we, we've spoken about this a bit, you know, with a cup of coffee is you see the main tournament and people who might not watch tennis go, I heard that guy Sinner won a final. Where's he from? Like that kind of chat, which is great. Great to have people interested but what they don't realize is before the tournament starts, there's a whole qualifying thing. And even getting in that is like, you know, a whole talent process in itself. Yeah. And that winning a tournament there or winning a match there, I should say, can set up a young player or a sort of journeyman, to use the expression, player or a injured player coming back up for the whole year ahead. And so you go, that's pretty cool. But if we're only worried about Sinner or Djokovic or... Top um, 10. You know, top 10 on either side. Suyantek on the women's side, say. The, then you'd miss all of that and you'd yeah. miss the sport actually without them. And the other sport that we've watched do it just with the national team and their big opinions and political opinions and life opinions and blah, 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 famous, 
Mm-hmm. And Lost the Grassroots is, of course, Rugby Union in Australia, the ARU. Yeah. And now that we've got Phil War in as CEO of the ARU and very much a guy committed to the grassroots and watching right down to Division 4. Yeah, <laughs> like I, lo- I love that. Hopefully <laughs> that will play out that the grassroots can be recaptured because that will yeah. be very, very important to their future. Yeah. On the flip side of it, we've watched the AFL very much concentrate on grassroots in community, in country towns and things like that. And yeah. they've paid huge dividends for them. Like yeah. they've really got a great feeder group. Mm-hmm. But whole communities are excited to see their player get drafted in. Or yeah, and go down to Auskick on a whatever morning and see, yeah, it's pretty see exciting. the kids from Wagga getting a yeah, go. It's cool, huh? <laughs> it's very cool. Consistency was lesson two. Ooh. So over and over and over again, and it is all in the numbers. And you can find that consistency an imagination or a dream. It's actually there. <laughs> yeah. And we debated whether to call it endurance or consistency because yeah. in both sport and business, they're endurance games. Yeah. Uh, but with consistency, eventually it becomes endurance. So we've gone with consistency. And I want to go to Nepal. That surprises okay. me. Sure. You're that's allowed. Okay. <laughs> if you get 59 goals in a game, you're probably going to win. So 89%. Yeah of the games in the National League, 89% are won by teams that get 59 goals or more. So mm-hmm. if you can get to that, you're you're a winner. And that gives you a milestone. If you can get 15 goals in the first quarter, 30 in the first half, yeah. you're probably going to win if yeah. you can hold that because that's the, that's the level. Funny, like AFL, I think, uses it more than anyone is sports sort of a game of percentages. Yeah. And I find that, you know, it's true here too. It's true in tennis too. Yeah. The one um, we were talking about a little earlier and it um, is was used in the men's game, I'm sure it's across sort of all forms, is if you win the first point when you're serving, you win that game 94% of the time. And so holding that's really, really important, <laughs> getting that first serve, like don't miss it when you're out there on the weekend. Um, and the other one that when we were talking to this point that came through for me was that idea, particularly used in corporate jargon, whatever, about um, sprinting the marathon, which marathon runners don't do. So they're very, very consistent. They often run, I don't know, 42.2, I think it is, kilometers at the same pace, things like that. So just the way that they use that consistency to know they'll make it or the consistency of shooting goals or yeah. it's not a, they're not, there's not much guesswork in it. No. And in business, it's those guys who will know to balance work-life balance, to have yeah. interest in family and friends, to go yeah. home on time yeah. and not burn themselves out because they want yeah. a 40, 50 year career, yeah. not two years. It's getting longer every day we're in it, Rhonda. So. I was trying to find you. Yeah. I'll, I'll be here to 104 and I feel like I'm about 90 now. So. Lesson number three from sport we took was yeah. it takes a village. So in yeah. sport, um, you can be very good. But it, right from the under sevens or whatever, it takes mum or dad or care or neighbour or mates, yeah. parents. Or all of them. To, Who knows? To take like, you yeah. to the sport. <laughs> Yep. And um, and then a crowd of people as you get better and better. So when you look at those professional guys we've been watching this week, amazing group yep. behind them. So great coaches, ex-players often, yep. um, great psychologists, great dietitians, great technology. They've got all of that around them all the time. And that translates directly into business. There's no such thing as a business person who can do it all yep. and be everything to everyone. So they have to get the right people around them and the best do that. They have yep. a great risk person, a great finance person, a great marketing person. And next thing you know, off they go. Yeah, and it's like takes a village to get success, but also in what a sport or business is like, you're not standing still. You're about progression and evolution and growth. And like, tennis players didn't have strength coaches or something like doing weight training years and years ago. They might have done a little bit of gym time or something. Great, <laughs> not downplaying it. It's just because the thinking on it has evolved, and our thinking in business doesn't stand still either. So village is where it's at. 
Yeah, and or ecosystem. When you have a bad week, yeah. the village lifts you up. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the team lifts you up. <laughs> and you need that. A bit of rehab, help yeah. you come back. Yeah. A cheerleader can be in here too, like, and that's really important as well. It is so, really important. Yeah. Uh, lesson four: practice, practice, practice. And yep. so, in this one, when we talk about what sport can learn from business, it's things like customer matters, and if you're relevant to them, and you'll survive, and if you're not, you're in trouble. Yep. So that's the flip side of it. But in sport, that fourth lesson we went for was practice, practice, practice. <laughs> And the goal average of Australian netballers right now, and they are winning everything. This blows my mind. This blows my mind. It blows my mind too. Higher than any time in history, and we are unbeatable because of it. Um, well, not unbeatable. There's other very good teams, but at the moment we're very good. Yeah. We currently have a shooter that's shooting at 100%, and that's pretty much impossible to beat. So Sophie Garvin shot the last game at 100%. That's insane. Yeah. You can practice, 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 and get 85, 86. Yeah. But... You, to get a hundred, you must be practice, 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 practice. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know how you get that. It's amazing. And in a tight game, that obviously wins the match for you, right? Like, oh, as in yeah. five gold, oh, yeah. like all the things we we're talking about on the numbers, fifty-nine goals gets yeah. you the wins, kind of thing. It's yeah. amazing. And if you like, had a, what a game changer, that would break your spirit, wouldn't you? You know, every time she gets a ball, it's going to be gold. I do. <laughs> I don't know Sophie at all. I'm excited to watch more netball to see this like amazing effort. We need to get it to America to the basketball where they do that half halfway shots <laughs> and hopefully she'll share her winnings with us but um, that's awesome tall enough she was about popping in yeah so uh, cool level, lesson five yep. we went with was needing diversity so in sport in a team you yep. need really good balance of people who can play every position every side every defence versus attack they can have the initiative of attack and the responsiveness and reaction of a defence um, look at soccer, goalie versus a wing versus a forward, all very, very important, mm. totally different bodies, shapes, endurance, everything. And that diversity is also in business, so you do need everybody around you to be totally different. So where our big five from sport to business, almost directly translated, is concentrate on both your famous people and yep. the grassroots. Yep. Consistency over and over and keep the numbers. Takes a village, not one person. Mm-hmm. Practice, 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 and you do need diversity. That was topic one. Second one is really interesting. So talking about HR at the moment, can this function be everything it needs to be to all people? HR right at the moment is two incredibly distinct skill sets and expectations. So the people in culture profession are talking about. So on one hand, you've got protection, mitigating risks, (laughs) keeping your organisation off the front page of the paper, um, keeping them out of courtrooms, avoiding risks, mitigating them quickly when they happen, writing the policies, applying them consistently, Steady hand, conservative mindset, stable, unemotional consistency. That's the job. But on the other hand, commerciality, creativity, um, someone might like to trust and talk to you about things so you know what's going on. Mm. You're innovating, creating unique and engaging experiences, aligning the org and the team to customers quickly and very effectively. And that's equally important. Otherwise, you'll just be consistently compliant but not really growing, moving forward, being creative and creating something special. Mm. So even this ever-increasingly litigious world, we talk about protection and risk all the time, and it's winning. But without that other side, that commercial mm. agility, creative t- creativity for team, customers, it's not impactful and successful, and those jobs are turning over really fast. So the tenure of these jobs is so quick, because yeah. if all they can do is compliance, that's not enough. So... Oh. 
So I think that's such an interesting topic and people have sort of said it to us like left brain, right brain or one is hard, one soft. I think of that example, I'm like, I think you're missing the point and the nuance in it, but okay, I see where you're coming from and it's bubbled up here again. I think when you spoke about it, Rhonda, like you spoke about can the function be everything it needs? They, to me, sound like different people, potentially. Yeah. There are probably great people that can cross, cross the bridges and, you know, left, right, one hand, the other hand. But... If we're thinking about it like a function, we should be able to get these groups of people in there, focused on those things and crossing over together. I think it's really interesting if we think that, you know, does the chief people officer job or whatever have all of that? That's pretty amazing. And I hope we will be able to do that. I think you can build parts of it. Like if you're deeply creative, you can work out about risk. And if you're about risk, I'm sure you can be creative. Like um, put that one down. Not many people would go to that straight away, but I like... Risk is a creative job when it's done well. Yeah. It's not a, like, numbers only because it's an enabling it's a one, not a job, yeah, protection, it? but it's not a lockdown Understanding job. where yeah. people are going. Yeah. Once yeah. you barrier that off, what's yeah. next? Um, yeah. It's really interesting to think mm. of it as that CPO role you just talked about because that's, if you can't be both of those people, mm-hmm. well, who do you put in charge? I agree. And, like, I, I don't know. And my other thought into it, though, is do you have... Which one, if any, wins? And should corporates in the top 100, whatever the number, like I'm just using it as an example, should it be 50 creative leaders and 50 risk ones and then a good 2IC that's the opposite? Be fascinating. We'll probably have better orgs, but, you know, what sort of wins? Because I would kind of argue, even though it's not my side as much and I don't, but is basically why are we going so far down the risk one? Yeah. Because we're basically putting handbrakes on our economy and our people and their creativity and energy by going too far down that one, albeit I'm not saying we run a free-for-all either. So that one really gets me. I don't don't know the answer to this. It does kill a bit of the conversation too. Like if you take Mm -hmm. a super compliant, risk-avoiding, mitigating person, that's all they want to talk about. Yes. Be safe. Yep. Um, And cotton wool the whole organization. We can't do anything wrong ever. Yep. So we can't try anything ever. Yep. Yep. Then... when you go to talk about it, no one wants to have that conversation because it's not interesting. It's never going to let you win, to yeah. go back to the sport analogy. It's just going to make you lose less. Yeah. And <laughs> probably, you know, like I, I was sort of, I don't know, came in too hard on it, I guess. But, you know, if it takes a village, of course you need people that are in each of these groups or that can sure. think about both, whatever, and come together and all of that. And self-awareness of which one you yeah. are. Yeah. Need to be consistent. So even the creative person can't be all over the shop all the time and the risk person can't be so rigid that no one can do anything all the time so yeah it's it is nuanced it's really important and obviously where people are working and who they're working with is going to matter like imagine the risk only hr leader in the tech startup that took 50 million dollars has to make it a billion like that's going to be interesting and imagine a bank with only a creative person that didn't think about risks or whatever at all you know what i mean you can think of examples where yeah, a bit, a bit of mold breaking. And again, like a blunt instrument view would be too narrow, which means we need both. And we can't only have a chat about IR settings and we can't, you know, <laughs> can't only have a chat about creative context. HR or whatever. Yeah, need everything. Um, but they can cross over better. So next time it. you're judging your HR person, your team, or your people and culture yeah, person. Yeah, I like that. We're looking for both and to yeah. look whether they're, if they've got the self-awareness of which one they are, whether they're putting yeah. the other person close by. It's almost like a... Um, Tarn acquisition 
hiring criteria type one for me. Yeah. Um, it's pretty cool. I like it. And if lot. you are a HR leader, self awareness of which one you are and putting the other one close to you is really valuable. Yeah, I agree with that. That's really cool. I like it. I well, like that's it. a good topic. I reckon we We've could solved it with a lesson from sport about teamwork. Done. <laughs> don't sprint the marathon and don't don't do a sport that's not yours and have someone to do that sport for you. Yep, got it. <laughs> Get Sophie Garvin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, so number three, James, our good news story this week is a massive congratulations on your nomination of one of the 40 hot HRDs, which has been a source quite of much, hot. <laughs> a source of many jokes around the office this week, but it's uh, congratulations. Thank you. HRD Magazine is a big magazine here in Australia, and the top 40 impacting the profession over the last 12 months is that list. Mm. Uh, Well-deserved recognition, not just of your work, but your impact on organisations and on our clients. And also when you're volunteering for the profession, because it has got an element of lifting the profession and doing good with it and mm. for it. And you've done a lot of that in the last 12 months in particular, which has been phenomenal. So big applause and congratulations. Thank you. And there's nothing you can say to that, is there? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and you just be like, okay. Yeah. That's it from us. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, 2023 was massive, as we said a couple of weeks ago. 2024 has started even bigger, the number of people that are already running hard. So mm-hmm. hope it goes brilliantly for everybody. Uh, and as we always say, keep listening to each other, to yourselves, to us, and to your intuition. Thank you.